think we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. We rock it like we're never going to see us again. Pure Gold is live on the air for this Wednesday night, September 19th, 2012. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe B, and my tag team partner and co-host is David G. Sir, what's crackalacking? <laughs> wow, um, I don't even know how to follow that up. Folks, make sure you check out our website, puregoldpg.com, where, of course, you can check out our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all that other goodness. Hey, Joe, speaking of which, are we ever going to do it in our YouTube video? Um, Survivor Series is coming up, so maybe. <laughs> Folks, call us, 714-364-4721. All right, DG, on the program tonight, singer Kerry Lynn joins us. Week two of the NFL is in the books. We'll be talking about the Giants and the Jets, and we'll surf around other NFL teams, talk about that. We'll also get into some baseball as the baseball season winds down. We'll be talking about not the Mets. We'll be talking about the Yankees that are are really fighting for the playoff lives day in and day out for the whole month of September, basically. We'll get into some fun with uh, Dave, as he told me that there's some good stuff on the Internet making fun of <laughs> Superman. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the Night of Champions pay-per-view and Raw. That was this past uh, couple of days ago. And finally, of course, our newest segment, They Stink. Sure to be a classic, sir. So, oh, of course. Uh, see, what, what, what's interesting to me is that you write all this stuff down on the rundown, right, and all these things that are supposedly going to happen. I want to know how many of these things we're actually going to get to because I don't think we ever actually get to the whole rundown, uh, you know, from top to bottom, or back to back in the belly to belly. That's the beauty of it. But I do have our first topic, and, of course, we are in the football season. So week two of the NFL, and boy, what a difference a week makes. If in you're the league where they play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get those clips, sir. Yeah, we'll be sued. <laughs> oh, time out. Speaking of which, before we get started, just to start on a sad note, uh, Steve Sable of NFL Films oh, right. actually passed away. The, the th- song made me think about him. So, of course, our condolences go out to the Sable family. Uh, you know, a sad thing, but uh, I just have to throw that out there because the music reminded me of it before we forget. Oh, the guy was a genius. I mean, the way he incorporated music into NFL Films was just classic. I mean, you look at the Super Bowls and that music just really pumps you up. Uh, definitely a sad day for the NFL and obviously for Steve's family. There you go. But our topic, our main topic today, sir, is football. Week two of the NFL. And we'll talk about the first game, which was the one o'clock game for you, the Giants and Bucks. Basically, sir, I'm going to let you take it first and I'll comment it. Then we'll, we'll switch and I'll talk about the Jets and you can comment it. So what did you think of the past, uh, the game against the Bucks? I think it was awful. I think it was terrible to watch. I think it was an absolute disaster up until the final seven minutes. I mean, Eli Manning is unbelievable. He looked terrible uh, most of the game. The, the team did not look good. You know, the Bucks were kind of running up and down the field on them. But, sir, in those last seven minutes in the fourth quarter, Eli Manning proved why he is the king of the comeback. Oh, baby! 
baby. Eli, and I tell you, last year, if you listened to the show during the football season, you know, at the beginning of the season, didn't love the guy. But he was, you know, a good quarterback, not great. But now I'm sold on Eli. He has sold me a bill of goods, and uh, his ego is running checks that his body can cash because he's something about the fourth quarter. I think what they should do, I think they should sit him down for the first three quarters and put up their backup, <laughs> and then Eli will come out there and score nine touchdowns in the fourth quarter because, sir, you know, I was at the hospital, unfortunately, visiting my aunt, and I was able to watch a bit of the game and kind of go back and forth. But when the Giants were, you know, I Seven minutes left. I'm thinking, damn, the Giants are going to lose this game. And then all of a sudden, 80-yard pass to Victor Cruz. Cha-ching! Touchdown! The Giants have tied the game. And then as I walked out of the room, before I know it, I'm getting updates left and right. Giants just scored a touchdown. The, the Buccaneers just scored a touchdown. The Giants just scored another touchdown. And the Giants end up winning 41-34. to It was a game where they were trailing by 14 points. They were looking terrible. Sir, they scored 25 points. Or runs, you know, if, if you don't know the, the terms. <laughs> yeah, for 25 <laughs> runs. <laughs> Woo! In the fourth quarter. Right. Unbelievable, sir. What are the odds? I mean, Eli really, he almost had a career game. Or in his case, I guess he did. He, he threw, threw, threw three picks, which was terrible. It was a point where it looked like he was actually planning to throw the ball to the receivers. And now I'm pretty much convinced that Eli has his plan where he's going to just make it as almost as insurmountable as possible. And then in the fourth quarter, come back and take a, you know, take a beating and just let a smackdown on the opposing team, which is what he did. 510 yards, sir. 510 yards. Only a couple of yards shy, I believe three, from the all-time Giants record. Passing yards by Phil Sims in one game. You're right, sir. I'm, you know, Eli Manning is showing day, uh, week in and week out, year after year now, as he's progressing in his career, that he's unflappable. He could have the worst, which he had a pretty bad first half, folks. I mean, Awful. he threw, threw for three interceptions. Come and they were bad. So did you watch the game? I watched some of it. They were bad interceptions. They were like, how do you, how do you, there wasn't even like the opposing team. I mean, there was a point where they had read the scheme, but man, it was like he was throwing directly to the opposing players. Right. So, he's unflappable. He's, uh, he has the right. worst half of, one of his worst halves of his career. Comes back and throws for 510 <laughs> yards, which is just incredible when you watch the first half. I just don't know as a, um, if I'm a Giant fan, which I'm not, sadly, um, I don't know how to feel if I'm a Giant fan. Like I, I know that it was important to get the win, and I just thought that this was a game that the Giants were going to blow the Buccaneers out. I thought that they were going to make a statement from the week before against the Cowboys. You know, we're the, we're the defending Super Bowl champions, and we're going to come out, we're going to beat you on both sides of the ball. We're going to beat you defensively and offensively. But, sir, I, I'm concerned. You got the win, but I'm concerned that this defense is sleepwalking the first couple games, and I think that that's a – it's a cause for concern, I think. I mean, I could let it go after one week, but then against the Buccaneers at home again, you give up 34 uh, points to the Bucks. I, I don't think the Buccaneers are that good offensively. No, sir, but I think the, I think what it is, the Buccaneers came to play. They read the reports. You weren't the only person. I wasn't the only person. Uh, you thought it was going to be more of a blowout than I thought it was. But everybody was saying that they're going to come, they're going to run into a bandstand, they're going to come into a, you know, they're going to get destroyed. That obviously didn't happen. There was a time there where I was pretty much convinced the Giants were going to lose the game. Now, with all that being said, um, we spoke about this earlier in the week, uh, you know, off the air. The Giants are playing this Thursday coming up, and uh, 
I mean, that's such a rough schedule to go from a Wednesday all the way layoff to a Sunday, then right back to a Thursday. So I could, if the Giants had lost this week, I could have easily seen them going in and losing in Carolina the third week and to start out the season 0-3, which would have been terrible. But they were able to make the comeback ultimately, which is what matters. But, sir, and I know you can't use injury as, a, as an excuse, but I'm going to tell you right now, the latest injury report, sir, of what's going on, and this was posted just a couple of hours ago. Ahmad Bradshaw right now is out. David Deal is out. Dominic Hickson is out. Uh, Adewale Ojomo out. You know, you have a running back, a um, tackle. You have a wide receiver. You have a defensive end. And Hakeem Nix is out. Michael Coe is questionable for this upcoming week. Probable is Prince of Mukamura, Keith Rivers, and uh, Darrell Scott. I mean, the Giants have injuries up the wazoo, sir, and it seems like every week more guys are going down, so that's obviously going to hinder your team. If you're not healthy, there's no way you're going to win. But at the same time, when I looked at this team last year with all the injuries they had, I said, man, the Giants will be lucky to be, you know, 9-7 and seven or whatever the case, and they end up going to win the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl this year per se, uh, but... I don't think you can get too worried about the Giants at this point. I think if they had gotten a loss this week and then lost the um, the week that we're in, so to go 0 and 3, that's when I think there's a cause, for, a major cause for concern. So. I, no, I hear you. I'm just saying the fact that, um, and yes, it, it feels like deja vu again, folks. You got the Giants that have these injuries that are mounting up so fast and early in the season, and it did happen last year to them too. They got healthy towards the end of the year. They start playing better football. No surprise, they got healthy. So they, you know, they, then they started, and then you know the rest is history. But uh, going into the, before we even preview the, the game that's on tomorrow night in Carolina with the Giants, um, other news and notes from the game. I mean, it's been talked about at length that nauseum. The whole Greg um, Schiano, Tom Coughlin um, handshake at, at midfield because uh, Greg Schiano is of the belief you play hard every single play. There was the last play of the game. Eli Manning took, takes a knee, and basically the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bull rushed him. Sir, what do you feel? Do you feel like that Schiano has a point? Or, I mean, or does Tom Coughlin, um, you know, there's an unwritten rule and he thinks you should stick by it? I think Coughlin is old school, and I think it's an unwritten rule. I think you should stick by it because, I mean, you tell me, if, even if they had recovered the fumble, what are the odds that would have turned into a touchdown where they were? 80 to 1, a million to 1? I mean, they weren't going to win the game, so why do it is my thing. If you're Greg Schiano, I think it's Bush League, so I really do. And Coughlin's not the type of guy to go nuts over something like that, and, you know, something that's not, that there's no cause for concern. And I think that he's absolutely. And I'm talking absolutely right. Um, I think they screwed up. I think that what Chiano did was wrong, sir. Um, I think he needs to have a little bit more respect, as it were. And um, not a big fan of that move, sir. I liked him in Rutgers, but that's not a big fan of that move. No, Tom Coughlin had a good point. Uh, I think what what came out later that this week was the fact that not only would they bull rush the Giants, but they went after the guy's knees and ankles, and that's just that's bush league right there when you're when you're going and then trying intent to injure, especially at the end of the game when the guys are relaxed. Because, you know, that formation is basically called the victory formation. It says that there's no more timeouts on the other side. We're going to kneel the ball and end the game that way since, you know, we have possession of the ball. So I think that Tom Coughlin was right in, you know, you know, letting Shiano know, you know, this is the NFL, not uh, some college football where we don't, um, you know, you got to watch out for your players. Even though it's um, your play against a um, another team, they're still part of the same like fraternity in terms of the players' association. So uh, to go after people's knees and ankles at the end of the game, I thought it was bush league. I agree with you. Um, so this Thursday, a quick turnaround. Tomorrow night, the Giants go down to Carolina. 
play a 2-0 Panther team, no, a 1-1 Panther team against the 1-1 Giants. Um, I'll, go ahead, you break it down, and I'll give you my take on the game. Uh, uh, of course, I'm going to pick the Giants to win. I do think that Cam Newton will probably have a big game. I mean, what are the you know what are the odds that he's not? He is a hell of a quarterback, hell of a player. Um, you know that you obviously have one of the best wide receivers in football on the op- if not the best wide receiver in football uh, on the opposite end of the, of the field with the Panthers. So uh, I, I believe that the Giants are going to win. I think it'll be a close game. Um, I'm I'm not going to say I'll predict another Eli fourth quarter comeback, but. I do think the Giants will eke out a close game. I would say maybe 35, 31, something in that range. Um, not a insanely high-scoring game, but uh, <clears throat> I believe the Giants will win, sir. I have no doubt about that. You have no doubt about that? No <laughs> doubt. That's good. That's at all. You're right. Uh, I think Cam Newton at home is a really good quarterback. I think that their defense has gotten better since last year, the Carolina Panthers, that is. And I think that the Giants, with their injuries early on in the season, I think they're going to run into a team that's hungrier than they are at the moment. I unfortunately think that the Carolina Panthers are going to win the game 24-21. I think it's going to be lower scoring than DG says. Uh, but I do think that Carolina being healthier and playing at home is going to be a big key factor in the game. And the fact that the Giants played Sunday. I know Carolina played Sunday, but they're at home, so they don't have to worry about the travel. Even though you're traveling to Carolina, I still think travel is travel. I just think that Carolina, it, it spells a victory for Carolina. Hopefully I'm wrong if I'm a, you know, not-so-giant fan, <laughs> like I am. But that's what I predict on that side. And then we turn our attention, sir. 714-364-4721. If you want to get in, we're talking football here. Wait, sir. Two. Wait, wait. Before you, before you move on, I just want to say, I know you said the, the Panthers are going to be hungry than Giants, but I think after this week, I think it's going to wake the Giants up. They're going to sit here and say, wait a minute, you know, we're not going to win a lot of games playing the way that we played, and we're going to lose to, to better teams. So right now we need to, you know, Eli right now is talking to his team, saying, "Look, guys, we got to get our head on straight. We got to get our, our heads out of our rear end, and uh, we're gonna take it to them, take it to the hole, as it were, kick it through the uprights, right in between the guts, hit them with some, some sweet chin music, do whatever we have to do." So that's why I think the Giants are gonna come out. They're not gonna sleepwalk this week, so I don't think the Giants are gonna have another bad game. That's why I'm picking the Giants. That's why you're picking the Giants. All right. I mean, let's see what happens. Unfortunately, on the other side of the ball, I mean, on the other side of the New York team, my New York Jets played the the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's just face it, folks, the Steelers, I mean, the Jets had a built-in excuse going into this game. They had no Darrell Revis, whatever. That's just a, such a lame <laughs> excuse. Uh, the Jets went in, came in with a they – played, they played good the fir- their first drive. Mark Sanchez looked like uh, the Mark Sanchez of two years ago, not last year. He marched him down, found Santonio Holmes in the end zone, and the Jets were up 7-6 to because Pittsburgh kicked two field goals. After that, um, you know, between Mark Sanchez just not finding his receivers and his receivers not getting open, when the receivers did get open, they were dropping passes that were thrown right at them. The one thing that gets me about this game is that the Jets had a chance to win it throughout the game, and then it just slipped away towards the end of the game, sir. What really gets me is the fact that uh, people are saying that it's all on Mark Sanchez again. I just think it's unfair. Yes, Mark Sanchez was 10 of 27, but if you watch the game, you'll see that most of his throws were to his receivers. They just didn't make the catches. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, I've heard it on other radio stations. Uh, the Jets are not high on Mark Sanchez at all, and I don't, I don't know why. I mean, he had one bad season last year, and that was towards the end of the season. I just think that Mark Sanchez – 
is not wanted here anymore. And, you know, if you're going to do the guy a favor, just trade him now. And if you want Tim Tebow as your quarterback, which I don't know why you'd want Tim Tebow as your quarterback, because he's not a quarterback. He's a football player. He's definitely not a quarterback. But if, if the Jets are hell-bent on making Tim Tebow their quarterback, then do so. Don't don't mess around with this guy and then talk behind his back after the game is over and say, well, a quarterback needs to, you know, needs to throw better passes or, you know, we need to rely on Mark Sanchez to win the game. No. You know what's even more frustrating than that, sir, is the fact that Rex Ryan says that this is the best team he's coached and this is the best defense he's coached. That's a, little, that's a little crock, too, because look at how many points they gave up in week one. I know it was garbage time. They gave up 28 points, and they gave up 27 points to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at the Jets overall <clears throat> as a team, obviously they have a lot of uh, holes. Obviously they have a lot of uh, in, what seems to be internal strife. I mean, you know, here they are, they're 1-1, one and one, and you're going to give your predictions for the upcoming week. But uh, you, you seem to be a huge Mark Sanchez guy, a huge Mark Sanchez apologist, as it were. Um, I mean, can you tell me, unfortunately I haven't been able to catch the games much with everything going on. Has Tebow played at all this, these first two weeks? Well, Tebow was in all of three plays uh, last week, and here's what really pisses me off as a Jet fan. They bring Tebow, Tim Tebow here to start the third quarter. Basically, the first play, yes, he gets 22 yards. The next play is another wildcat, you know, the genius. This is the great offense of the Jets. They want to play this wildcat, and they want to make all the defensive coordinators, like, shaking their boots and, you know, crap their pants the night before. So Tim Tebow goes with the option play, loses six yards, right? Next play, loses another couple yards. So it's about third and 16. At that point, the the geniuses of the Jets they decide that you know what Tim T will come out so Mark Sanchez could get him out on a third and, <laughs> on a third and twenty three, so th- that kind of stuff I feel like you're throwing the guy under the bus. You, you have Tim Tebow, you run a wildcat, he loses about 13 yards, and then you put Mark Sanchez in? Of course Mark Sanchez. I mean, who could throw a 23-yard pass on third down? Not many people can. I got to tell you, well, Eli Manning could. I got to tell you, the best part about this whole thing, folks, those of you listening, is that there's a Jets jersey hanging above my partner's head right now with his name and number 27 on it, and he is ripping the Jets to know it. This is pure gold. This is why this is the most must-listen-to show <laughs> On the internet, it all talk radio because it's stuff like this. Because my partner is pure scum. I might be one of the most realistic Jeff fans out there, sir. Well, I, I, do I don't know about that. realistic. I think you're as negative as can be because of the bad experience. So I think you're negative, not to a fault. Because I, I I agree with you. Obviously, as as fans of the New York, whatever they're called, the baseball team. I, I forget I forget the name at, at this moment. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I don't know if you're realistic per se. I think you're more realistic than most Jets fans and more realistic than most Mets fans because they look at everything and, no, we're going to win, we're going to win every week, we're going to do this. And then when things fall off the bus, they, they completely jump off. You, you're more even keel. But but you definitely tend to swing more negative. I mean, when was the last time you had a, a good thing to say about the Jets? When was the last time you were positive about this team? I, I mean, it was, I thought I was positive last year. I thought that when the Jets were 8-5, and five, they had gone through – the toughest part of their schedule, and they came out 8-5. and five. Again, one play turned the Jets' season around. Victor Cruz, 99-yard pass. That turned the season around. And then the whole Tim Tebow thing. I've, I was, I've been against it since day one. It doesn't make any sense to bring a backup quarterback, quote-unquote, to back up Mark Sanchez, who's not really a quarterback in my eyes. Um, but, uh, you know, I digress about that. The, the Jets this week, they go in, they go play the, the Miami Dolphins, this is a team that the Jets, on their schedule, they have to go in and win. I mean, the next two opponents after this 
are almost impossible to win, even though they're at home. They've got to play San Fran and then the Houston Texans. People are picking those two teams for the Super Bowl, let alone that the Jets have to play them. So uh, the Jets have to go in against the Dolphins and play the kind of football that they play in week one, where they're, they're creating turnovers, they're getting touchdowns, uh, they're running the ball down the throat of the Miami Dolphins. I think the Jets are going to be able to do that. I think it, it's going to be like one of those 27 to 13 games. Uh, it's not going to be a statement game, sir, but I think the Jets get a much-needed win going 2-1 and one, and then have to come home and play the San Francisco 49ers, who uh, right now, let's face it, are the class of the NFL. It seems like it. I mean, we think that the, your, your wife is going to be very happy come the playoffs. I mean, I'm not sure about them going all the way, but they definitely have uh, have talent there. Yep, so the Jets... I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you think the Jets could? Uh, do you think the Jets trip up and lose this Sunday? Uh, I don't think they can afford to. And again, I'm not. I'm not going to go off on a rant and say the Jets if they go one and two, their season is over. But I think the Jets need to win. I think that Mark Sanchez will do everything in his power. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but is is Darrell playing this week? Uh, it's still a game time decision. The doctors still have not cleared him. He's got a concussion, and you know, with these new rules, it's so hard to. And I think it's better for the player to clear um, you know, and play the game. You have to go through a battery of tests basically every day, every week, um, as you get closer to game time. So uh, I think Darrell Revis, I don't even think they need Darrell Revis for this game. Uh, they probably need him last game because Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he finds his receivers. He's a beast. The guy never goes down. I mean, you, a broken play is his, like, best play. You basically, you know, you go in and you try to sack him, and he gets away, the, get out of the pocket, he scrambles, he finds his open receiver. That's what Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> does best. He, he knows how to scramble, he knows how to find his receiver when the play is broken. So they need him last week, they don't need him this week. So hopefully Darrell Reeves doesn't play this game. I don't think we need him. But the Jets do go in and win the game. Well, you know, I'm looking at the Jets injury report right now, and they have a lot of uh, guys who were injured this past week. I mean, you know, minor nicks and things like that. Yeah. Uh, did Dustin Keller play? Because I see he's had a hamstring issue. No, he didn't play, sir. Okay, and he, didn't, he hasn't practiced this week, so he may not play. I mean, Keller's obviously, you know, he's a good ball player. He's a good tight end. Um, Nick Mangold, I see here, he's got a little injury going on. Uh, you know, he did he did actually do full participation this week, so hopefully he'll he'll be, you know, 100%. But... They're going into they're going into the uh, Giant Stadium. I mean, I'm sorry, MetLife. What's it called again, sir? MetLife Stadium. Sure. Uh, <laughs> they're going to be playing the uh, the Dolphins this week, correct? Correct. They're a better team than the Dolphins. Let's be honest. They they need to win this game. This is the type of game. I'm not saying they're going to blow. Out. I'm not going to go what we thought the Giants were going to do the Bucks, but the the Jets need to make a statement. The Jets need to win. Uh, you know, I'd say 28. 13, something like that, where they, where they win by a couple of scores. They need to go up there. They need to put up some points. They need to do a little a little wildcat because that is going to get them the game, sir. That is going to take them all the way to wildcat offense and Tim Tebow and Mr. Jesus. Um, I think they got to win this game. I'll pick the Jets to win definitely. Um, uh, uh, like I said, uh, my prediction will be 28-13 to 13 or 28-16 at the most, but the Jets will win this game, sir, and I think uh, handle it. Okay, but uh, let me ask you this, because we talked about this money in our, Monday in our production meeting. Did you go back and listen to the tape and see what I predicted for the Jets and Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, you were right, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You did pick the Jets to lose, which I couldn't believe. It's scum that you are, but you, you got it right. You weren't off by too much, by the way, the the point total. I think you, pre- you predicted 23-10 to 10 or something in, in that effect there. 23-13, I believe, was your prediction, so you weren't off by much. No, I just think that the Jets, for whatever reason, cannot play in Pittsburgh, and Beth and Roswell are a girl. 
I like that. Um, he's yeah, I don't even know what you just said. I don't think anyone knows what you said. I don't even think you know what you said. Big Ben uh, just uh, knows how to light up the Jets in Pittsburgh. So if the Jets do make the playoffs, let's hope they're not playing in Pittsburgh because they're not going to win that game. So Jets go in, play Miami. They win that game, come home to play San Fran. So other games before we take a break, and we hopefully have on singer Kerry Lynn. Other, ga- other marquee games this past Thursday, September 13th, we had the Green Bay Packers regroup and win against the Chicago Bears. So I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be a good team. They only allowed 10 points to Chicago Bears. And when you look at Bears, and when you look at week two, you notice that the NFC basically took care of all the AFC games, which was good for the Jets if they would have won because you had the biggest upset of the day. You had the Arizona Cardinals beating the New England Patriots. No shirt off my back. Or is that a good cliche for that? I don't think it is. Oh, no sweat off my back? No sweat off my back. There you go. There you go. So, the, the, you know, the Cardinals beat the Patriots. You had the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Baltimore Ravens. So those two games were great. If you're a Jeff fan, you could have went up one game on both those teams in the conference, but they didn't. And then you had the great game on Sunday night, sir. I don't know if you watched any of it. San Fran playing the Detroit Lions. I did watch a little bit of it, sir. Yeah, and, uh, I, again, San Fran that as long as Alex Smith doesn't turn the ball over, this team is going to go far, if not win at all. I mean, this defense is ferocious. Uh, is he good enough, sir, to, to lead this team to the promised land? Yeah, he's another Trent Dilfer type. You know how Trent Dilfer managing was. Managing the game, basically. Yeah, managing the game just like Eli did in 2007. I don't think Eli won the Super Bowl for them. I think he managed the game. Yeah, you're right, sir. Um, now, before speaking of Eli, uh, we have a caller, and I know I know this one called last week, and she gave quite a prediction because I did go back and listen to it. We're joined once again here, uh, you know, briefly with with Michelle, who called last Wednesday. Uh, before we get into uh, our, our guests for the evening, Michelle, how about those Giants? Yeah, that was an awesome win. Uh, exciting game, you know. Give me a little bit of a heart attack, but I'll take it. It's a win. <laughs> Let me ask you, were you like me, a negative thinking that, man, if the Giants don't get their heads out of the rear end, they're not going to win this game? I mean, with seven minutes to go, Eli came out of nowhere, did what he does best, and literally led them to victory, marching down, scoring point after point after point. Uh, when when uh, the Giants were losing, before they scored that tying touchdown, did you think they were going to win? Did you think Eli would pull it out? Um, at halftime, I wanted to quit. I'm uh, going to be honest. <laughs> I wanted to quit the game really bad. <laughs> I was at my uh, brother's house watching it, and I basically was like, I quit. I don't want to watch this anymore. And then after, you know, we started rolling, then I didn't have any doubt. Once we got the touchdown and some, you know, I didn't have any other doubt. I didn't have doubts that Eli would pull that off. Michelle, do you think that this defense is a cause for concern? I know we're only two weeks in, but is there a cause for concern for this defense? Um. I, I mean, I we gave up a lot of points, and I am, I mean, and a lot of big plays that really like irritated me. So I'm a little concerned, but I don't know. I think sometimes they they pull it out under pressure. Yeah. And well, it all it all goes back to the quarterback. It's hard to Sorry. worry. Right. Yeah, yeah, it all goes back to the quarterback. Eli is best under pressure, but I was looking at the game. I was talking, commenting with my uncles. We were watching it, and they looked so terrible. Eli looked so atrocious, and they were just settling for field goal after field goal, which the Giants fan is frustrating to not watch them go into the end zone. Then all of a sudden, Eli starts throwing these bombs and, and connecting with people. It's like it's like the switch went on. Now, um, obviously, we're both happy. Um, this week, the quick turnaround going on Thursday. I had mentioned to Joe earlier before you called, when I was giving my assessment that if they if they hadn't done a little fourth quarter magic, I would have been worried going into this week 
um, being down 0-2 and then coming into a short rest game, Cam Newton and the Panthers. So I definitely tell the Giants if, if they had lost uh, Sunday, this would have turned into an 0-3 and a miserable start to the season. Give us a prediction for tomorrow. You know what? I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking it, uh, I'm going to go 30, let's say like 34-28. Giants, of oh. course. I never pick against the Giants. That's almost exactly what I predicted. I said I think I predicted thirty-five to twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah, so that's close. So there we go. I just think um, I didn't think it would be that high-scoring on Sunday, but I thought it was going to be close. <laughs> now, tell us what are the keys to the game this week? Uh, Joe mentioned the uh, Joe mentioned the defense, et cetera, et cetera. Tell us what you would say is the key for the Giants to pull out victory. Well, um, we don't have Bradshaw. And I'm not sure how significant he's been, you know, really not much anyway. But I, I, the running backs need to step it up. You know, Wilson and um, who's the other one? Brown, right? On well, Brown had a great game on Sunday. Uh, Wilson didn't yeah. do much. but Yeah, they need to step that up. I think the running backs need to step it up. Obviously, Eli's got to be Eli, the real Eli, not that first half Eli that we saw last game. <laughs> and... We need something from OC, you know. I need something from OC and JPP. We need them to get, you know, start working together. Even tough, they, like, were almost insignificant last game. So we need them to step. I think it's everything, really. We just need it all working at the same time. You're right. That's definitely a good assessment. And uh, just one final thing from before we let you go, Michelle. When you look at the, uh, the the baseball team in town, I just have to throw this out there. My prediction at the beginning of the year was 72-90. and 90. So far, they're 3-11 and 11 this month. They literally have to go 6-9, and nine, which would be above what they've been playing. What do you think? Are they going to end up at, at – there's no way they can end up at 500 now. But, um, I mean, 72-90 and 90 was my original prediction. Well, give me your take on that. I'm sad to say that it looks like I may be right or that they may go under my prediction. Um, it's probably under your prediction. It's sad to say. I don't, I just, I don't know what the heck has gotten into them. I don't understand. I really don't, I, I, I just can't put it together with words, how they can be this amazing team the first half and then have three days off or four days off, whatever it was, and then turn into like this atrocious team that, I mean, the Astros are almost better than us. Hey, Michelle, maybe I can help you with two words about the uh, New York Mets. Please <laughs> stink! <laughs> but they didn't stink the first half. If they played like this all season, I would not be that. I mean, I would still be upset, of course. But I would not be as upset because I would be like, this is who they are. But when I see them play and two out hits and, you know, come from behind wins in the, you know, in the end of the game and, you know, that's the team that I saw in the first half. I just don't understand how you can flip the switch so bad. And I read something, I don't know if it was on Twitter or something today, that I think it was one of the beat writers wrote that they think it has to do with Johan. I'm sorry. I, I love Johan, but it is not due to Johan. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, at the end of the day, unfortunately, that was pretty much our highlight for the season. Um, Michelle, you know, if you can call next week, we, we can talk a little more Giants. Hopefully they'll win. We thank you so much for, for joining us again. Um, it was a pleasure, as always. And, of course, you know, let's go Giants because the Mets are done. Yeah, definitely. I'll give you guys a call next week if you want me. <laughs> All, right. All right, Michelle. Have a great one. Thank All you. Right.
You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Folks, that was Michelle who's joining us once again. And we are about to go to a, a quick break before we uh, bring on our guests. So, folks, sit tight. We'll be right back here on Beer Gold. Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez, and it's Texas USA 2011. And I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are simply pure gold. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold each week to hear the best interviews and live talk radio. David and Joe are simply the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Gotta love that. Thank you, Anna and Brittany. A pleasure, ours, of course. And, folks, before we introduce our guest for the evening, I've got a little, uh, a little clip I'd like to play for you. Hang tight. Out on the road before the show, something inside to take it slow. I took the right and let them pass. He took the left. Then hit the gas Next thing I knew A smoky hue Filled up the sky Out of the blue And as I passed Debris and glass She was dead on arrival My God, from a new song by Carrie Lynn, who is joining us right now. The song is called Guardian Angel. Carrie, how are you doing this evening? I'm I'm great, David. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. Thank you so much for joining us. I am doing fabulous. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know we have some hiccups in terms of uh, scheduling, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but we're glad that you are <laughs> on. Um, now, tell us, Carrie, are we, this is a typical question that we always ask, and I know you have your biography for here on your website. And by the way, folks, Carrie, K-E-R-I-L-Y-N-N.com, which is her name, CarrieLynn.com. Um, you can check out that. You can check out all her music, et cetera. But tell us, what, uh, what got you involved in music? You know, here you are with all the discs and all the albums and the things that you've released up to this point in your career, and it's been quite a long career. Um, how did you – what got you into music, and when did you realize that this is what you wanted to do? Um, okay, well, thank you for asking. And, by the way, it's a, it's wonderful and it's a pleasure to be on air with you, you guys. This is great. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, it basically took place during um, a Christmas pageant that my church was holding. Uh, I was about four or five years old, and a true story is that um, I was asked to basically step in for a soprano who had fallen ill. And um, she, I guess that's flu or pneumonia something. She couldn't sing, and the choir director, God bless him, he had a had an idea um, it was out there for that particular moment in time, but he said uh, he convinced his father, Brother Mitchell, um, to we got this fabulous little girl over here. She's got a big voice. Let's give her a try. Um, and they they were like, huh? <laughs> so anyway, um, he he convinced everyone, please let's let's give her a try. Let's just you know we got a couple of days. Let's let's do what we can. And I had a couple of. Um, Days to go over some music, um, let's see, Away in the Manger, Oh Holy Night, and just for fun, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. 
And uh, thankfully, I had my mother and my sister, Belinda, to help me out a little bit with the, the musical end of it. Belinda was right. taking piano lessons at the time, so she became kind of like my uh, coach, teacher, as it were, for that particular moment in time to get me ready. And um, I sang, and um, it was great, fabulous, and I knew from that moment on that um, I was loved and well-received by everyone there, and I knew that you know, music was going to be definitely a part of my life. Right. Hi, Caroline. This is Joe. Uh, to follow up on Dave's question, uh, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? And, um, you know, do you feel like you um, try to do the same type of music, or do you have a totally different genre? Um, I think my genre is kind of like a hybrid, I guess, at this okay. point. Okay. I think that's a safe thing to say. It would be a hybrid, I guess. Um, I've I've had... I think I've been very, really blessed to have um, so many artists growing up, listening to them and learning from them. Right. Um, I, I go for a variety of artists, different variety. I've listened to everything growing up from Dolly Parton oh, wow. to Loretta Lynn to um, Cole Porter to Dionne Warwick to Barbara Streisand to Liza Minnelli to Judy Garland to... You name it, I listened to them <laughs> growing up. Um, and uh, I had the pleasure of, of of listening to them and learning from them, and it was just great. Um, so, yeah, I think mine would be, over the years, a hybrid of just about everything. Now, would you say you, have, you had or have a mentor? I mean, you know, we had another singer on a couple of weeks ago, and she had mentioned her mentor, but it was pretty much just her, you know, her parents that she was discussing. But you have any singer you really idolized and said, this is what I want to be like, or maybe a coach of some sort who really just uh, brought you along the way? Thank you. Um, yeah, again, I've been really, really blessed with a lot of instructors along my way. Um, Betty Caldwell Rogers was one of them. Uh, Dr. William Brown, the late Dr. William Brown was another one. And um, I had, I've been blessed with a lot of choral teachers who uh, worked with me, um, mentorship as well as vocal development, as well as character development. Um, and it's, it's, been, it's been great, I think. Looking back now on this, um, it's kind of, you can't you can't make it this stuff, you know. It's it's kind of like, oh my God, this really did happen. So yeah, <laughs> and um, and I've been really really blessed and really really fortunate to have a variety of great teachers and mentors along my way. But my first though was my sister and uh, my mother. Oh good. And of course, um, the, and of course that choir and of course that uh, that choir director, um, uh, brother Mitchell's uh, son. He was the choir director who first basically said, "Let's let's try her, let's try this oh. one." Nice. So we're joined by Carrie Lynn, singer. I'm on her website right now, CarrieLynn.com. I see that she has a lot of albums, which I'm very impressed with. Carrie Lynn. Let me ask you this though: What would you say was the hardest part of um, you know making it as a singer? What would you say? What would you say for anybody that you know was thinking about becoming a singer? That's young at age. Uh, is thinking, what advice would you give them and tell them to look out for? Um, let's see. Goodness gracious. I followed. There's, there's no rule book, really, Julie, that I found because uh, each experience is both a learning experience is different, and it's both a learning experience. I've 
was really fortunate in the very beginning to have my parents along with me. Um, and uh, that was really, really good because I started singing actually in clubs when I was 13. And I had to leave before happy hour. That was one of the rules. And <laughs> no happy hour for you, but you can see me for happy hour. That's fine. Um, and I, I said, that's fine with me. <laughs> I just want to sing. That's all I want to do. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, the lime and the coconut. No, not yet. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, um, crazy. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's, it's kind of like to, to, it, it was an experience to get some exposure and to hopefully get the right kind of exposure. And you would think that down in the Deep South, you know, where I actually started, um, that the people would be kind of like throwing the beer cans and the beer bottles and things like that. It's like, no. Actually, <laughs> again, I was very blessed and fortunate. Um, they were uh, very attentive, very loving, very generous. And um, and I felt, you know, I felt, again, loved and accepted uh, for who I was. And... To be 13, 12, whatever have you, singing in that environment, and, you know, you hear, oh, my God, this is a rough crowd. Are you sure you can handle them? <laughs> and uh, I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm only, I'm only 19. Um, but, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let's see. I'll it, sing it, for it, roses and see how they like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, the things we're asking and just uh, different responses that we get in all of our many interviews. Now, one thing that, that fascinates me here is looking at your uh, About Me. It's something, it says, you know, you've, you've, you sang in front of small crowds, and uh, which you just mentioned at a club. But it says you also performed in a crowd as large as four and a half million. Can you tell us about that experience? And where was that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, you're talking about the uh, the situation at the O Arena in Orlando. Yeah, um, I was um, um, asked, actually, uh, I had auditioned and got this call back to sing the National Anthem for um, a, a basketball game that was being held at the arena. Uh, that was back when Shaquille O'Neal was uh, one of their players there, okay, oh, wow. in that particular situation. Yeah, I got to meet the dude was so tall. <laughs> I had to crane my neck up so high to see him. It was like, hello, how's the era there? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was Dr. Shaquille O'Neal. The fabulous Shaquille O'Neal was one of their main players, the star players. And the arena was packed. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but there was another group of singers, performers, who actually had auditioned for a spot, whether it's the National Anthem or the, the, mid, the Midpoint show that they would have sometimes. Right, the halftime? Um, yeah, exactly, the halftime show. They actually did have a halftime show, and I didn't know it at the time. This was before the Kirkpatrick guy came involved. But um, Lewis Perlman had auditioned um, these four guys, um, and one of those names, the guy's name was Justin. Uh, anyway, I know that we know them now as NSYNC. Anyway, they had performed, like, the four of them, before the Kirkpatrick guy, Chris Kirkpatrick, got involved. So, yeah, it was during that time. But anyway, to get to your uh, question, yeah, that was a very interesting situation. I did not know this until after they told me that this was sent over the satellite and over um, Internet satellite uh, around the world. So this is one of those games that I think it was a championship game or something um, that, in other words, it was sent via satellite to points all over the world. And I did not know that the Sun Network and 
Uh, let's see, see, uh, let's see. What is that sports network? Oh gosh, I should know this. Um, uh, anyway, they send it through throughout the satellite, and they said they had a, like at least a listening audience of about four point five million. And I'm glad that they told me this after I sang the national anthem. I really am, because <laughs> if I'd known that this many people over the internet, over the internet, over the satellite, around the world were listening. I would be like, huh? So I thanked them actually afterwards. I said, thank you so much. He goes, why? Thank you. I can tell thank you for not telling me that this many people would be listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's got to be, that must have been quite an experience. You know, four and a half half million people is a lot of people that sit on their fans. Around the satellite, yeah, approximately. They they approximated it. It would be like somehow we're doing a show now, and then uh, we get the news later on that we had, a, uh, you know, a million people listening to us. So we'd be blown away by that, of course. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this also. Um, again, looking at your dis- discography, you have released quite a few albums. Is there one that you would say is your your favorite? Is there one you could say, wow, you know, I really did my best work here versus any other? Um, well, each one was a growing experience for me, looking back on it now, because um, with you know, one I thought, okay, this is this is gonna be my best, and then I do the next one and I'll go like, okay, compared to the first one, this is my best, and then I do another one. It's like, oh no, this is superseding. So, um, but I like the compilation one um, uh, X, which marks my 10 year. Uh, that would be right. 1997 to 2007. Uh, I like that one because um, I actually spooked myself and kind of experimented with myself, and basically took my own music to another level and another kind of mix and experimented with my own stuff, basically, <laughs> and said, oh, you know, let's see what happens if I do this. Let's see what happens if I put this into the mix. Let's see what happens if we change it this way and what kind of feel we can get from that. Um, another thing is that um, you, you you know about Katrina, right? Okay. Um, I think Katrina you're talking about? The... Katrina, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remember all those storms that went across the state of Florida, you know, during that time? Okay, right. well, a lot of the songs from the album You uh, have sprung out of that experience. In other words, it came from that experience of, of um, like, reality bites, um, you know, feeling like, oh, my God, another, another, another storm's going to hit, another, you know, hurricane's going to smash, you know, Great. I haven't seen the sun for a long time now. What's going on here? You know, one right after the other. Um, a lot of the songs on that album sprung out of that, were born out of that experience. Um, and uh, let's see. Another one, I really love the, the music that I'm doing now with um, uh, what is to be my upcoming album, Nocturnal Moves. Um, I really you like that. Upcoming? When uh, does that come out? Yeah, the upcoming. Nocturnal Moves. Uh, it was supposed to come out actually earlier this year, but I felt the need to take a little bit of a break um, because of a, um, a family situation. Yeah, okay. death in the family. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And uh, I just I felt the need to kind of like put some of that on the back burner a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm getting back in the side, also to speak, and. Uh, <laughs> In the back of my saddle, and uh, you know, soon, and I'm going to go ahead and finish up Nocturnal Moves, and I'm hoping to get it out. Um, I'm going to say realistically, because I want it to be, I want it to be so 
good. I want it to be even better than the other ones in terms of quality, in terms of engineering, in terms of productivity, right, in terms right. of creativity. I want it to be so much better than what I've ever done before. Um, I'm experimenting with 5.1 stereo sound. I'm experimenting with 7.1 stereo sound engineering. Um, that would be 7.1 surround, you know. And um, I'm experimenting with a lot of different um, engineering and technological advances. So, like I said, I just wanted to be – I want to make sure it's, it's better than anything I've ever done before. Plus, I'm hoping to do a few more videos, music videos, to go with some of the songs to kind of depict – you know, the music a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i really looking forward to that one because it is, again, some of my better work has come out of that. And also I'm looking forward, really, really looking forward now to, after I finish up Nocturnal Moves, I cannot wait to go ahead and jump into the saddle again and finish um, work on Miracle, my Christmas album. I oh, really wow. am looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. It's, it, again, it was supposed to come out um, sometime this year in Christmas, um, but again, because of the um, the situation with my family, um, right. I, I, I needed that time. I really needed that time to, my family and I both, we, we both needed that time to just, um, you know, kind of like sit back a little bit and right. um, let some healing begin. But, uh, well, yeah, I am, I'm getting ready to get back on that saddle again. And thank you so much for playing my guardian angel at the beginning of the show. I'm uh, really proud of that. Oh, no, no problem. I, you know, it was actually Joe's idea. I was going to play it towards the end, but he's like, it would be a good way to segue and to introduce you. Um, now, you know, I know that my, my uh, partner wanted to ask a question before we uh, before we wrap up. Yeah, before we let you go, Carrie Lynn, can you let your mm-hmm. fans know just how to – uh, stay in touch with you, and where can we uh, purchase your music? It's just basically we like you to make sure that you can plug your information and then give any other information, uh, any other last remarks that you have before we let you go. Um, sure. Um, okay, let's see. They can always go to com. That's K-E-R-I-O-I-N-N.com. Yep. Um, I usually try to keep that up to date as much as possible. Uh, my music can obviously be found on CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon.com. Um, most of your top end internet stores will have my music. Um, let's see. There's also um, let's see. <laughs> I'm kind of a lost horse. But um but, Sorry, you're nervous being on our no, show. I, I understand. It's like it's, it's everywhere. Fill <laughs> <laughs> in the blank. It's it's there. If you if you just Google my name or put you know in Amazon.com or someplace or you know it it should pop up. It's like okay, it's it's everywhere now. It's like <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so it's like, well, there you go, folks. You can find her music everywhere. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Carrie. Google uh, we, okay, yeah, Google her. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes. Uh, and again, it, you know, it was a process to, to get you on, but you know, it's, it was definitely worth it. Um, just keep up the, the positivity. You know, keep doing what you're doing, and we okay. wish you much success. Uh, and hopefully, your your next albums will go pure gold. Oh yeah, I hope so too. Oh yeah, and thank you so much for having me, guys, and to my fans out there. I love you. I love you guys so very, very much. Thank you so much for your love, your prayers, your encouragement, and your support. I love you. I love you. I love you. 
Thank you. Keep on rocking. Love you. <laughs> take thank take you, care, Carrie. Thanks for having me. You're okay, welcome. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful thank evening. You. you too. Bye-bye. Folks, take care. That's the Bye one and only Bye-bye. Carrie Lynn, who is a lot of love. Uh, apparently she loves everybody. She loves us. She loves you all. Um, you know, good stuff there, Joe. It's all, You know, I find it interesting when we, we have different types of guests. And, again, this is not your typical radio show where you're going to hear one topic. You're not just going to hear sports. Joe and I are a men of the world, as it were, and we like to have different artists, even if it's someone that, you know, I mean, we're not bringing Bon Jovi on here. We're not bringing uh, people you know, per se, that, that 50 Cent or, or somebody uh, of that nature. But regardless, the guests that we do have, it's the people that we find interesting, people that we find, you know, there's something, maybe that they have something to say. And uh, it's just, it, it's good stuff to have different people on and, you know, just to, to share their experiences. And when we do delve into music, sir, it's always, it's always different, and that's a good thing. Sir, the bottom line is we would be lying to our audience, which you never want to do, if we said to start the show every single week, a show about everything and anything, it tells it like it is. We truly bring on the talent, like DG said, not the most famous talent, but talent that is out there and is fresh to listen to. But, sir, we only have 10 minutes. We're up against it. Let's take one last quick break, if you will, and we'll come back. We'll wrap up the show, and we'll finish up with uh, my favorite new segment. You're absolutely right, sir. Uh, and i, I got to play this because I'm actually tweeting with her right now. Oh. The one and only, the incomparable, the incomparable. Morgan Lord. Got to this. This is actually one of my, one of my favorite clips, but I'm going to play a different one. What's up? It's Morgan Woolard, Miss Oklahoma, USA 2010, and you are listening to Pure Gold. Yes, you are, folks. You are listening to Pure Gold, and we are back, a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly, sir. I know that uh, you threw the rundown out there, so uh, break it down for us, sir. What is next? Let's uh, go uh, kind of rapid-fire as we're about eight minutes away from ending uh, this great program. Let's talk about quickly baseball. We're finishing up. We talked about this many months ago. Do we have to? Yeah, the Nationals with Strasburg, looks like (laughs) they did shut them down for the year. We thought it was a mistake, and, you know, this team is going to go into the playoffs as the NL East Division champions. And without Strasburg, sir, how are you feeling as a Nat fan right about now, knowing that you don't have your ace pitching the playoffs? Um. I think you have to feel like garbage, uh, hot garbage. I said this to you at the beginning of the year because we were watching, uh, yeah, was it part of the interruption, I believe, or ESPN, or who knows what the hell you're watching on the TV here in the studio. Um, if, you, if, if you're the Nats and you didn't think you were going to go to the World Series, you didn't think you were going to win the NL East, or you weren't sure how you were going to do, why did you start him at the beginning of the season? It makes absolutely no sense. If I was a Nats fan, I would quit. I would jump the bandwagon. I would go down to, uh, you know, not too far away, or up, I guess, to the Orioles. Um, who are doing well in the in the American League is I think it's a disgrace. I think it's a joke. I think it's a disservice to their fans, and they should be ashamed of themselves. And nobody should go to the games anymore because they suck. Without Strasburg, no way in hell do they win. All right, looking around the baseball season as we wind down, I mean, there's a couple pennant races, especially uh, the New York Yankees and Baltimore Orioles. The the thing about the Yankees that you have to be impressed to, uh, as a just a baseball fan is that the Yankees never have lost their lead. They may have tied the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are nipping at their heels again. There's a the good news for if you're a Yankee fan, Andy Pettit came back today, pitched five shutout innings. Um, you know, somewhat ray of hope. So hopefully, as us anti-Yankee fans, the Baltimore Orioles do catch them. Um, I just think that the Yankees are too injured right now. They're starting pitching suspect. Um, you have no thoughts on the Yankees, right? <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I uh, I do have a thought on the Yankees, and I'm going to share it with you, folks. Oh, boy. Right now, because I think that it's just something really huge. Please 
That's what I think about the Yankees. Nice. But, sir, um, are you interested in the fact that there's no. going to be... No? Okay. Well, let's not talk about baseball anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, uh, if I can be serious for a moment, I am interested to see if the Yankees do make it to the playoffs. Again, I said this last week, you can't jump off the bandwagon if you're a Yankee fan, which they do tend to do. But you got to stick in there and hope that your team is going gonna, is gonna to pull it out. We, of course, root against them actively. But I do think it's possible that they are going to wrap up the division. I, I mean, again, I picked them last week. I went on a limb. They're, they're not going to do it. But it's very possible that they will. So if you're a Yankee fan, you can't go nuts. You can't jump off the bridge or anything. Uh, you know, just calm down. If you're a baseball fan, you're a football fan, folks, the best time of the year is coming up in about a week or so when you have playoff baseball and you have NFL football. Can't wait. Pure gold only is going to get better with that kind of analysis, sir. Week in and week out. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the entertainment uh, great segment. Yeah, great. <laughs> Let's get to the entertainment segment of the show because uh, we only have five minutes um, this past Sunday, Knife Champions, nothing happened. This past Monday Night Raw, um, nothing happened. Um, what do you think? Um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of time between this pay-per-view and the next pay-per-view. I don't know why the WWE is booking their no uh, their Hell in the Cell pay-per-view on October 28th, which is like what six weeks away from now. I mean, it's it's basically garbage. I, I thought Knife Champions was a was a, a crap fest. Well, if you think about it, uh, the interesting aspect of the uh, whole uh, situation and the uh, the equation is that John Cena, I don't know if you know this or not, but he got injured and he's actually out minimum. Uh, he just tweeted that he's going to be out minimum six weeks or four to six weeks, as it were, for recovery time. So he may or may not be ready to go for the pay-per-view. So that's a big thing right there, sir, because if not, they're going to have to find somebody else to shunt Punk off to to continue his little feud, but you would think that the natural progression would have been seen and getting another shot at the uh, at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which, like you said, is in about six weeks. So it is interesting that that's the case. Unless this is a storyline, which it's always possible, because what are the odds, six weeks, six weeks, but uh, he may not be ready, sir. WWE seems to be hell-bent, and I don't mean to use the word hell-bent when I say the next <laughs> sentence, but they seem to be hell-bent on making John Cena face forever. He's now associated with the Susan G. Wait, Coleman Foundation. Go to hell! Yeah, go to hell. It's the Susan G. Coleman Foundation. He's wearing pink now, hot pink, and he's a hot mess like Bret Hart was back in the <laughs> 90s. Uh, I just think that this guy's never going to go heel now. I, and WWE seems to be uh, pretty insistent to uh, associate themselves with Susan G. Coleman, which is a great foundation, nothing against them, but John Cena is their spokesman, sir. It's, uh, well, I hope there's nothing against the Susan G. Coleman Foundation. Uh, I, I mean, what, what are you telling nothing against them? It's a, a foregone conclusion that John Cena will never go heel ever again. If he does, it will be in TNA when he's a washed-up, <laughs> over-the-hill, you know, 70-year-old wrestler at that point. The only thing that we can report upon is Next Monday, Jerry Lawler finally returned home from uh, from Montreal. He's in Memphis now. There'll be an exclusive interview with Michael Cole. That should be interesting. Do you like the fact that uh, JBL and Jim Ross are filling in for Jerry Lawler? I love that. Well, JBL is obviously going to continue his uh, his climbing expeditions across the world. But I actually love the. I think he's a great announcer. I th- you know I got I got to be honest. Um, when I look at Monday's show, the best part to me as a fan was the announcing. To have Jim Ross there, awesome. Even though Jim didn't chime in as much as I would have liked, to have JBL there, awesome. Another guy, and I, you know what? I think that JBL is really underrated by the common wrestling fan. He was such a great heel, a great personality, somebody who really elevated his career, 
And uh, looking back on it now, I think he was worthy to be a, a WWE champion to have the career that he had. Um, I loved listening to him. I think he's a, he'd be great to come back in the ring for another go around when he finishes up his uh, his climbing. But what I loved, sir, was that he did what WWE announcers do not do, and I don't know if this was purposefully or if Vince allowed or Vince even knew about it. He was emphasizing championships. When guys would come out, he's like, "What do you mean they're not proven?" You know, Zack Ryder was United States champion, and this guy, you know, was this and that, and he was talking about Brutus Clayhouse. Instead of his idiotic dancing, which is what, you know basically what he was saying, that he needs to focus on winning a title and doing something. I love that. I love that type of announcing because he was totally just focused on the importance of the titles. And I, I mean, I thought it was great. I, I actually loved it. I loved seeing uh, or hearing JBL with that threat. It, it's a shame he's not going to be there next week because I'd love to see him back full time. And if Lawler does come back, whenever he comes back, you can just move JBL over to SmackDown, sir. Sir, you have broken that down beautifully. I will not even comment on that because there's nothing to comment well, on. Well, you that. just did comment by saying it was beautiful. Yeah, it's time for, folks, it's time because we want to preview next week's show with DG. It's time for our favorite segment. Mistake! All right, let's go right into it. Let me go first, DG. I'll throw it back to you. $44.95. Folks, I am talking about the cost of a pay-per-view for the WWE that is not even one of their major four, not even the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, or SummerSlam, $44.95 for a pay-per-view called Night of Champions, and you have a non-finish on the main event. CM Punk and John Cena fight to basically what is a draw, and CM Punk returns all that way. It is horrendous. I think <laughs> if I'm a fan of the WWE... I want my money back because for forty four ninety five to get a non finish on a pay per view. Wait, what, what, what is the point? The point is WWE. Mistake. DG go, sir. I cannot agree with you more. I actually hate the fact that we agree so much. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was an embarrassment. I thought it was an absolute disgrace, a sham, a mockery. How do you how do you ask people to pay for that? How? How do you ask people to pay for for these pay-per-views, and then you give them a non-finish? That's a great, you know what? That's a great finish on a Monday Night Raw that, or SmackDown. That is not, even the, the SmackDown leading up to uh, the pay-per-view or the Raw leading up to the pay-per-view. Yeah. That is not something you do on a pay-per-view. I totally agree with you. I know Justin was saying that he thought it was perfect. Uh, I mean, I, I know Justin is, is Mr. Moneybags, but uh, I thought it was a disgrace. I know Josh Eisenberg actually agreed with us, and you know, in his little uh, title, this his little reactionary segment, he did mention that. Sir, I just don't understand it. I don't get how Vince can justify that. You're asking people to pay money, and they get a non-finish. Does it generate heat for Punk? Yeah, but you know what? It's not worth it. It's terrible. It's a terrible idea, and I don't understand who thought who thought it was a good one. I really don't. Before we end the, the, we play that Stay Stink segment one more time, do you think that Vince McMahon, I think he does this often, um, he tries to, like, make um, whatever's happening in the real world into his world. Like, you have the referees with the non-finish, you have referees playing into the whole controversy, just like the NFL officials are being incompetent, almost seems like Vince is trying to say that the referees are incompetent. I think you're right. I think that's a part of it. Vince is doing it just to kind of be, uh, you know, cutting edge as it were um just wanted to throw this out josh said and i quote he thought that the draw was a weak escape from this uh match giving punk a cheap victory uh punk has never been billed 
as a league champion, so why start now? He has an issue with how it ends. Even though the feud will continue, this is a good end to Raw, not a big pay-per-view. A draw? Really? This frustrates me to no end, but I'm looking forward to how it continues. Now, he, you know, he, he's pure gold. That's why we have him on the show, because we, we completely agree with that statement. It's a bad way to end it. It, it makes me sick, sir. By the end of this year, well, we will tally up how many days things have, and we'll have a day stink champion. So right now we have the Mets won. WWE won, so we'll see who else. They stink! Yes, for this week, folks, the WWE, you stink. So what do we have on tap next week? Folks, have a great week. Hopefully the Jets win, Giants win. See you next week. <laughs> folks, make sure to check us out. Call in next week, of course, 714-364-4721, our website, puregopg.com. Next week, we will have the lovely and the talented Fox Sports reporter, Kristen Ledlow. She's going to be joining us. It's going to be awesome. Again, we're going to be continuing with our They Stink segments. We're going to be continuing with the Jets and the Giants, like Joe said. Hopefully, both teams win because it's always good. But if they lose, it definitely makes for interesting radio here on Pure Gold. Again, next week, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For my partner, JB, this is David G, a.k.a. DG, signing off. Thanks so much to Carolyn for joining us this evening. Check out our music, Carolyn.com. Folks, see ya. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. Good night, everyone.